Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. This is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your gaming podcast where you get to make tremendous fortresses and let people beat the hell out of you. Okay, we're going to limp back there. Wait a minute. Did we didn't buy band-aids? What? Did we forget to stock them? <laughs> of course we did, because we had to have all of that uh, screech uh, uh, booze of yours, Trav. Oh, yeah. It is antiseptic. There's no, it is antiseptic. That's good. All right. Uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week, we are talking about building a base. Uh, and, of course, that's going to depend an awful lot on what the game is and what the genre is and all that rest of it. So let's get into it. Hey, Trav. Okay, so um, if you, uh, in the game Bureau 13, they seem to have an awful lot of different kinds of bases. Um, and some of them aren't actually even bases. They're more like bolt holes. Can you describe the differences between them? Yes, well, in, and matter of fact, I happen to have Bureau 13 D20 PDF, PDF up for that right here. Uh, on page 51 of that PDF, it talks about supply dumps and bolt holes. Now, a supply dump is would be considered a small base, where usually they're underground, they're in out-of-the-way places and in old buildings. A bolt hole is more... It, it A hidden door or a small elevator leads to a small redoubt. It might have, like, a shower, a bunk, a radio, and you know maybe a computer terminal, and it might if you're lucky, be the size of a small apartment. The supply dumps are more bases. They've got like full quarters and garage facilities and a medical bay. And so it's more the size, uh, more, more of a size factor than anything, but they pretty much have the same things. It's just the supply base has a lot more of it. Right. Well, I mean, obviously you're not going to get repair facilities for your car inside of a bowl. Hole. Right, right. Right. Okay. So, um, and then, and then they go even bigger, uh, from there. Okay. Because when we talk about regional teams, usually they're operating out of some kind of a permanent installation that they basically get to trick out as, as much as they want. Oh, and yeah. I, re I remember John mentioning way back when about, oh, and I'm blanking on his Seattle team. Uh, uh, candle, candlestick? No, that's Detroit. That's my, uh, that's sure, guys. Um, oh, oh. I know this, and I'm sorry. I, uh, sorry, sorry, John, if you're listening. Uh, but I remember that he it was based out of sort of a an office where they ran like Seattle's paranormal newspaper. Yeah, some kind of you know crazy rag. So that was their whole base, and it was behind the facade of okay, it's a respectable business. Granted, it's like Seattle's version of the Weekly World News but that was their base. 
Right. So they had a building and they the bottom floor was like, you know, where they were operating the business and they had offices and presses and things like that. And of course, lots of paraphernalia, to, you know, Bigfoot castings and such. And then above and below in the basement, that's where they had, you know, the real base. Yeah. You know, with with uh, containment facilities and and places to store um, probably OSHA um, uh, forbidden chemicals and other types of things like that. Well, then we know uh, Team Fremont. That's right. Yeah, at Seattle. Right. Okay. Uh, but before we go any further, uh, we have a new uh, podcast host visiting us this week, and hopefully, we'll continue. Uh, uh, Jonathan, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jonathan Thomas. I've been playing. Ooh, what's it? What about over twenty years now? Is that is that constant or is that just on and off? On and off. Although. I've always kept my ear to the ground, so to speak, as far as gaming and, and especially um, uh, D&D and TriTech systems. Okay. Yeah, since leaving college. Are you, I, a G, are you a GM or just a player? Oh, GM. Oh, good. Yeah, I so was you, usually the so, one who bought the book, so I was the one yeah. who ran him. You know our pain. Good, yes. Okay. <laughs> Glad to have you aboard, Jonathan. Good to be okay. here. Okay. So, so he's very familiar with the TriTech system in, in the past, but he's also very familiar with a lot of other games as well, which is one of the reasons we thought he would be a good add-on. So, uh, and of course, you know, there's no doubt since Trav and I have, you know, have been devoted ourselves to playing TriTech games for so long, there's a lot of games we never got to play. So it's quite possible that Jonathan might actually have a lot more scope than we do. Yeah, might fill in a <laughs> blank or two here and there. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, you so, have such uh, high expectations. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll live up to them. So w- right now we're talking about, you know, having a paranormal, uh, th- this is, this is actually, you know, uh, Bureau 13 being a paranormal game, um, secret agents versus supernatural. Uh, you know, their bolt holes are places you can go to ground to get healed up to uh, plan your next point of attack, sometimes just a place to keep some some gear in case you you get, you know, you lose everything, you know. And a lot of times it's a way to get re-equipped after you lose everything. So uh, you had to let the RV get impounded, didn't you? Oh, uh, the RV gets blown up every mission. Don't you know that? I always laugh when they says it may take up to two months to get another RV. I'm like going, dude. Yeah, what kind of what kind of assembly line do you have going there with those RVs? <coughs> Holy cow, th- those things are amazing inside. I mean, that should take it like a two two months, two years, maybe. You know, at this point, they're used to it. Yeah, right. Well, that what happens is is that they uh, this is okay, fine. We don't have an RV. We now have a panel truck that has walls as thick as the RV, has run flat tires like the RV, has a you know about the only thing it usually doesn't have inside of it is the RV computer. Everything else is in that panel truck, <laughs> including missile pods. So it's so. like the armored, kind of like the armored garbage truck in the Hellboy movies. Yeah. Yes, yes, no doubt, no doubt. But back to um, our our uh, various uh, bases. Okay, so uh, you know, now in a game like Bureau Thirteen, most of the time it seems like those things, like those bolt holes, those bases, or whatever, are already there. You're just inheriting them. As a matter of fact, a lot of times you're restoring them and updating them because of the massacre of '77, where you know, uh, basically the Bureau imploded, there wasn't anything left, and, and now the agents are coming back and they're finding these bases that no one's used sometimes for decades. Uh, especially at this point, it's been almost, uh, uh, for, it's been 40 years, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, or even, and now it's going to be, so, so for some people, you know, they were born after the massacre of 77. They're now agents and, and they're just now, you know, coming across a, uh, a, a base somewhere saying, Hey, we, we need to set up a base in this area. And, and the bureau says, well, there is this, there, there, we have a record of a, of a, of a base that's under next, you know, in, uh, basically it was a, under a bakery you know, over, uh, which has gone out of business 20 years ago. And, uh, it's, it's it either, it may be occupied by vagrants. It could be occupied by someone who's decided to gentrify it and turn it into like some kind of a, uh, art shop. Meanwhile, you guys pull up and say, I don't want you to get concerned, but you pull out a clicker, go click, and the whole hillside behind the house starts rumbling. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I now? I'm reminded of the scene, and I think it's the first. I don't. I'm, I don't remember if it was the first or second MIB where there are these mother, father, and a child in their apartment. K and J walk in. They hit a button, and all of a sudden, all these panels flip over, and there's guns everywhere, and they have to neuralize them, and everything flips back, and just they don't remember that you know their very apartment is a bolt hole with alien weaponry. <laughs> right. They just right. walk back out. You know. Don't mind yeah. us. <laughs> don't mind us. Yeah. Well, those are great if you can do that, but most games do not have neuralizers in them. And 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 I always liked in the first uh, the first uh, movie, he's like saying, you know, are you, how many times have you have you neuralized her? You know, does this thing cause cancer? You're gonna wipe out <laughs> half her medical school. Okay? <laughs> yeah. But I did find something you were talking about how some of these bolt holes have not been used in decades. There yeah. is a percentile chart on page 51, and it says the condition of the supply dump, and it has anything from, well, I mean, you have a 50% chance it's very well stocked as expected to, if you roll double lot, dating back to the 1890s, these storage dumps are at best filled with antiques. That's another thing you got to worry about. It, it's the running joke here among the TriTac family that you get to a supply dump and the first thing you see is a fold-up newspaper that says Dewey defeats Truman. <laughs> <laughs> the preemptive the preemptive headline from like, you know, 70 years ago or whatever. Right. 60 years ago, yeah. Yeah, the one they put out and then had to retract. Right, exactly. But you find things like that because, yeah, we found a supply dump. Uh, unfortunately, it was from World War II, yeah. But hey, <laughs> at least it has the wolf's bane you needed. Uh, I don't know. Wolfsbane's always better when it's fresh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. True. But uh, yeah, but you know, you can imagine what that can of beans is like. Ooh. Oh, that's a, it's more, that's a bane right there itself. It's more like concrete. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can always throw them at people. Sure. You know, uh, I I once ate a, a a World War II ration, and I was that was in like. The seven, or maybe maybe the seventies, yeah, maybe the early seventies, and uh, it wasn't bad, but it definitely is showing its age. It, we had peanut butter crackers and and um, some they had some like vanilla wafers, you know, just cookies, uh, like sugar cookies. Uh, there wasn't anything that was like liquid, liquid. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, it, it it wasn't very impressive. I, I, but at least I, I I can say that yeah I, I know what my my uncle when he was on the ship you know going over to uh, uh, the Bay of Japan what he might have been eating if he they hadn't dropped the bomb on Nagasaki and he actually got off the boat ah mm. 
Yeah, he said he says he was very happy that they dropped those bombs because he didn't have to go to war in Japan as a result. Because he was on the boats waiting out in the bay oh, okay. to, to go oh, in, and wow, they said yeah. they, they 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 said we don't have to do this anymore. So they turned around and went back to Hawaii. So he basically got a big long boat ride. <laughs> that was his primary service during World War Two. Bruce, but, two thing, two things about or two words about what you might just find in a bolt hole, and you know what I'm talking about. Get ready to to put down any food or drink if you're doing this now listening. Okay. And haggis. <laughs> Bruce knows what I'm talking mm. about. <laughs> yeah, even fresh, that stuff's questionable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Try tech story, folks. I'm sure we've told that in previous episodes. Anyways. Right. Yeah. So uh, of course, if you're really unlucky, you know, you'll find they'll have something that's been time stopped and <laughs> you open that up and who knows what can pop out of that container. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, but you know, most most of the time, uh, you know, if, if it's if it's really something that's supposed to be abandoned, not abandoned, but not maintained, if it's a, a facility that you shut down when you leave and go away, the the materials that you're going to be in there are going to be very, you know, very uh, long lived, you know, very stable, you know, kind of stuff, and. Uh, uh, it's it's you're not going to find um, it. I'm going to say is that generally um, because uh, if it's old enough, it might be unusual, but you're not going to find anything terribly surprising usually in one of these kinds of facilities uh, because anything that's really good, you're going to take with you. I mean, why would you leave it behind? I might need this. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing, the, uh, the worst thing you would find in any of these places would be skeletons, bodies. That people left behind because they didn't know what they didn't know how to get rid of them, and so they said, "Well, we'll just you know bag it up and put it in the corner here in this nice uh, tin lidded thing, and and say do not open until doomsday, like uh, the in the uh, Return of the Living Dead movie, ah, because hmm. <laughs> they had zombies in it, yeah." <laughs> but okay, so uh, yeah, so they uh, now they, they can go up to the full blown you know, uh, installation, real base, like which you're going to be living in all the time. And that's going to be quite a bit different. So since we're, let's, since we're moving into like, you know, what, what kind of place you would put stuff that you would normally, you know, want to live with or whatever, we need to talk about why the base exists. You know, what is it there for? Okay. And, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of different genres that this comes up for. Uh, one is uh, the exploration genre, where you're like a uh, you're either infringeworthy going to an alien world, or you're a spaceship captain that's landing on an alien world, or you're uh, been transported through a dimensional thing like a uh, uh, Izakaya anime movie uh, a series or whatever like that. So suddenly you're you're on this world and you need to build. A base. You need to build something that you're going to operate out of. So, what are the factors that would come into that sort of thing, John? Yeah, location. Are you going to be operating like for exploration? You want it to be a fallback location, and you're probably going to put it close to where you plan on exploring, and just kind of going out from there. It's your central location. Well, would you, I mean, if you want to have it the best of both ways like that, I would think like put it at the edge of town because mm -hmm. that way you're within a short distance of actual, you know, the resources of a town. Yet at the same point, you're like ready to head on out, 
you know, because when you're coming back after a long day of of killing monsters and 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 trudging over hill and dale and falling down cliff faces, you don't have to walk any further than you absolutely. Have to. No, no, no. Yeah, you yeah. want to just drop off your stuff, and then if, maybe if you still feel froggy, you can head into town and grab a beer at the pub. But then that's why you also right. have beer in the base. Well, you know, it's, I mean, it's got to uh, have essentials. Well. Yeah, if you've got those kind of talents, you know. So uh, so you're saying that any decent base should have some form of brewery in it, right? If you're staying there long-term without outside support, if long-term, probably. Okay. Because I know a bunch of people that are really into making mead, and that stuff takes at least six months to get to a palatable state. Oh, yeah. So mm. you have, you know, so those guys, and they can be relatively easy to make. You know, it's not like uh, I mean, beer is a lot harder because you got to do all kinds of mixing and in the bowl, uh, and and it, it takes a long time to ferment in the in the in the chamber. But I mean, uh, from what I've seen from the demonstrations I've seen, meat is something you can do you can do in a couple of hours. You put it into a big giant container, you top it, put a topper on it, stick it back in a nice you know cool dark place, check it in in six months. <laughs> See if it tastes okay. It only gets better usually from that point on. So, uh, but anyways, you're so you're saying that you think any decent base should have a brewery in it. If you're going to be there long term, certainly, uh, or something, okay. something that can some. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, well, the word is coming right out. It's vanity, entertainment. Mm, yeah, well, uh, luxury food and drink. So you can provide your own, if especially if you're not getting outside support or can't expect it frequently. Uh-huh. Yeah, most of us humans, we want some sort of alcoholic beverage. Okay. Well, you know, if you have the ability to ferment and distill, you mm-hmm. also have the ability to reduce a very important anesthetic, mm-hmm. antiseptic, you know, alcohol, which could be used to, uh, in alcohol lamps. It can also be used, you know, to, you know, again, clean up your wounds. Um, it can be used uh, even to run your vehicles yeah. if you happen to have vehicles in the world you're going to. So, uh, you know, a, a good distillery sit- setup, I think, is a really good investment in time and space uh, in your base. So, yeah, multi-purpose. Yep. Uh, everything in a base should be multi-purpose, right? As much as yeah. it can be. Right. All right. Anyways, okay, so uh all right, so there's that. Um uh Trav, what do you think should also be in the base? Uh well, let's see. Usually since most well, all these games at one time or another you're going to have combat supplies for your weapons. Now, depending on the genre, it could be anything from and and maintenance too. So I mean, depending on the level of the base, Okay, we have, you know, our extra swords and we've got a stock of both arrows and bolts. If it's a permanent base, you might want some type of facility to maintain and build new weapons. Now, if it were a fantasy base, it would be a smithy. Now, if it were a modern day base, it would be something like a fabrication lab where you could do things like make bullet casings and uh, mix up new gun, you know, more gunpowder, you know, so a chemistry lab. Metal shop? A shop, yeah, basically. To And just depends on both the genre and the magnitude that you're going to be using the base. Now, if it is going to be like a full-blown headquarters, 
you're probably going to want some type of uh, fabrication lab and area where you can make the bullet casings and repair parts on guns and make gunpowder and uh, possibly, you know, have to, you may have to forge a part or at least, you know, um, drafting, cat it, you know, computer to draft it. So yeah, definitely things to store, maintain, and possibly build new weaponry. Okay. It, it just, it, it would make sense if you, since you're going to go into combat in these games, have an area where at the very least you can store it. And I, I mentioned this to Bruce, as you all know, I'm, I'm kind of the OGL junkie out of all of us here. And again, it's the folders of folders in the Psywatch PDF from Scorch Earth Studios. There is a feat you can take to, if you're in a city setting an urban set like Bureau 13 and you have, Let's say Team Fremont, the Seattle team. It is a feat called Weapons Cache. The prerequisite would be Knowledge Tactics or Profession Soldier. Eight ranks, five ranks if you're using Pathfinder. Basically, you can set up storehouses around the city and you can tap into them like, okay, I need to stop at this old place that we bought and pick up some more ammo. So having weapons is very important and if you do an OGL Pathfinder D20 modern game, this feat would work. As I said, it's in the Psywatch Unlimited Edition PDF from uh, Scorch Earth Studios. But I found that here and it was, it called to me. I was like, ooh, this would be useful tonight. So, yeah, if you wanted to have that as part of your character where you have, like the Punisher would. I think this would be a perfect feat for the Punisher because he would have, you know, places set up all over New York City where he could... Guns, band-aids, yeah. ammo. There's, yeah. there's always some little cash somewhere within like 15, 20 minutes of wherever he is. Well, yeah. Remember, Nick Fury had one there that he lit on fire, I think, at the end of uh, Winter Soldier. Mm, yeah. He had a little storage facility, you know, like a uh, public storage or whatever, you know. Yeah, public storage is a great place, you know, to put a lot of this stuff because most of those places, they don't care what you have inside as long as it doesn't attract, you know, attention like dog you know dog sniffers or things like that as long as the bills are paid and the cops don't come knocking oh oh uh bruce pixie's mom goth bunny worked at one for two and a half years i heard some stories about what she found in ones that were abandoned. <laughs> yeah but they they had to stop paying for that to happen oh yeah but still but you yeah they don't they don't it's very good for yeah you just buy the you know, you, you, you sign the rental agreement and you, you know, you get your key and you most, most of them have 24 hour service. So you can get in there anytime, day or night. Just you go up to the little keypad, punch in the four or five digit code they give you. You go through, you get your stuff, you punch the code again to get out and you go on your way. Yeah. So yes, public storage places like that, storage units are wonderful and there is no, uh, dearth of them there they are everywhere you probably can drive i'd say maybe 15 20 minutes and you're going to find some type of storage place anything from u-haul to well cube smart is well cube smart is still around just not where i'm at but yeah you those would be perfect places if you like what's the term if you study your city a lot and that's where you base your campaign just you know JFGI, just sprawling Google it, and you'll find these storage facilities all over. You can say, yeah, there's over one over on, you know, 
e-course near Ringster Road in Romulus, you know, and so yeah, you could have that in your game as just, yeah, I've got, you know, a couple of M16s, you know, four clips for each of them, band-aids, you know, some uh, penicillin, you know, just stuff that I need in case I, you know, trying to escape a firefight, you know, so. Yeah, a cot, <laughs> so you can lay down when you're injured. Say anything about, um, well, see, staying overnight, yeah, that'd be kind of, yeah, because Colleen had to do her, uh, you know, rounds in the morning, and I'm sure if she found a car parked outside, you know, when she got there, you know, there there would be a problem. She'd be starting to look around and stuff. So that'd be a little dicey. I mean, if you wanted to take, like, you know, a quick two-hour nap before the place opens again, yeah, you could, but you wouldn't want to live there. You know, you'd just be a quick rest and then get back out again. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I was just saying, though, is this, a lot of times when you know, you're dragging your wounded carcass into one of those places, and it'd really, it'd really nice to have some place to lay down instead of, like, just, you know, lay on the floor somewhere. Inside your inside your containment, you know. Lay so down, yeah, stitch up your own bullet holes and then take a quick nap to get back out there. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of those uh, surgical staples. I think those things are pretty cool. And and surgical glue, man, it's just you know just, just draw a line, squish it together, and it'll be good enough. <laughs> That'll hold. <laughs> That'll hold. In, in in the wrestling world, there's a lot of times you'd get a cut on your head and they'd super glue it shut. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Um, uh, Pixie's husband. Pixie is our other co-host. She's on, uh, what did you call it, Bruce? Nursing leave? Yes. Um, her husband, Jeff DeRuff, who he's a pro indie wrestler. So I've heard some stories about how they've had to patch up wounds that you sustain, get, you know, you sustain while in the squared circle. So, yeah, super glue. I'm like, okay, ow. <laughs> Yeah. It works, and it it is hopefully uh, sterile. Well, super glue it tends to stick more to skin than what you want it to stick to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's usually not an issue how sterile it is because usually if you have that kind of a wound, it's pretty ragged anyway. So you're just you're splashing water into it and daubing it with some gauze and. You know, the super glue is the least of your issues. Yeah, you're, you're probably going to be taking. You're probably you're probably going to be popping down some uh, antibiotics. You know, while you know, as a result of all this, you know. Uh, but sure. So uh, yeah, you're definitely going to need some kind of um, of well, not necessarily sleeping as trap put, but if you're making a base, not a bolt hole. Then you definitely going to want some real sleeping facilities uh, that are good that that match you your character. You know, because uh, not some characters, they're like, I'll sleep on a rock. Okay. Other characters, if they don't get their pillow top, they're not going to get their rest and they're going to be cranky the day. Yeah. Not, yeah. And, you know, and how, how do you expect them to do good work? You know, I, need, I need to have my melatonin and my herbal sleep supplements there. Otherwise, I don't get a full six to eight hours of sleep. That's right. You might have to have that special light bulb in your in your you know room. To, White noise generator, you know. And well, there's this now. one that supposedly gives you you know more natural light, you know. Than, and if you're going to be down inside these places a, a long time, depending upon what the situation is, like you know, if if for example you had to go to ground, uh, you got chased back to you know this area, and you went into this bolt hole and or into this base. And it's hidden from the outside. Well, you might have to wait out the people that are looking for you, and it might take a while. So, it's, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing um, noble about suffering for your, 
for for your, your craft. So uh, uh, I mean, you might as well enjoy yourself. Is that's why um, I think that uh, uh, if if you can have frozen, you know, like uh, frozen, uh, if you have power in your location, you know, have frozen storage, have food that's frozen, not. Uh, or good stuff in cans. I mean, the high, the high end stuff, the gourmet stuff. You know, don't don't just get you know uh, you know beans and and uh, uh, and, and you know hard bacon and you know uh, uh, you know dry sausage and other things like that. I mean, those are okay. But I'm just saying is that you know you, you're gonna need uh, something to raise your spirits to you know. Uh, and and a good meal is uh, makes a big difference. Again, those uh, luxury food items you need them every now and then. Well, they're not luxury, is what I'm saying. Is that they're they're part of keeping your mental attitude good. And of course, if you're if you're hurt, you need the best possible food because it will sustain your body's uh, defense systems and help you heal faster. Yeah, because you mm-hmm. get better nutrition that way. I mean, uh, you know, they, they, generally speaking, uh, poor people have worse nutrition because fatty, uh, carbohydrate-rich foods are very cheap, and yeah. and, and, and they, they you can get them in quantity and all the rest of that stuff. But it doesn't mean that they're good for your long-term health. And so, you know, if you're if you're uh, playing these games, and you know you're going to be the explorer or whatever, uh, I mean, I I never ceases to amaze me in, in all the D and D games I play, where it's like, yeah, I'm just going to knock back some of these iron rations. There's no need for me to go, you know, uh, order some food in town and stuff. And I'm like, really? Do you have any idea how bad that stuff tastes? I mean, uh, I I read Call of the Wild, and they talk about pemmican, and I was like. Whoa! This is this is something that you you know it's like you know the uh, uh, oh the the Alaskan version of Vegemite. I, mean, I thought pemmican was like a type of jerky. It's it's bacon, but it's also mixed with with a lot of fat and other things like that. And uh, it's I'm just saying is it's basically like it is like jerky, but it's it's really fatty jerky. I mean, it's just. You, you you put it in your mouth and you just keep chewing it for for hours. You know, it was, it was designed to be a trail food, something you could yeah. keep you going. And it was it was very dense and, and very easy to carry. And under the under the weather conditions they they operated in, it didn't go bad very easily. But that does not mean it was you know other than providing you with essential you know uh, uh, protein um, and of course lots of lots of carbohydrate because it was so fat fatty it didn't provide you with really anything else so not 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 what you'd want for a long term so yeah yeah so i'm just saying that definitely you know you should you know make the uh make your kitchen you know really nice you know have a you know have a good garbage disposal um uh I mean, you know, when you plan this out, I mean, you know, try to make it as self-contained as possible, um, unless, of course, you're literally sitting over top of a sewer line, in which case I guess you could just use that. But, uh, again, it depends on how covert you're trying to be. If you're just, you know, 
A lot of these bases, it's like, okay, we look like a normal thing. The people are living here or we're, or we're running a business off the first floor. But then you go inside and you find out there's so much more going on here. Like you've got your fermentation chemistry area. You've got your metalworking shop slash foundry. You've got other things. So, um, I mean, it's usually it's, it's, you know, you want that wow factor where you basically open the door and everyone's like, look at all the stuff in here. And, you know, that's what you, I think that's what you're always going for when you make a base. Now, it doesn't mean you should be a hoarder. Because okay? <laughs> so, uh, you, know, you have like five of everything, you know, including, you know, uh, containers to hold the paper clips. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you have to decide how many people is this going to support when it's going to run out. Because I mean, in any reasonable situation, things are going to run out sooner or later. So you got to have a, a a set lifespan for the for the base you're ba- making. Uh, I would say, uh, as you were talking about, Jonathan, you know, a place that's kind of like you 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 go into and you have a cot in there uh, and some, some first aid equipment and some extra ammo, something like that. That's a bolt hole that gets expended in like a couple of hours. Yeah, you use it one time and you're going to have to restock it before you use it again. Or you just open, you just get a new another one. Mm, yeah. If you take it, everything worth taking out of it, it doesn't matter what you leave behind. So you just have to go and get yourself another, uh, you know, <laughs> walk-in closet to, to, to work with, you know. And, uh, you know, and the one nice thing about, again, go, going back to these kind of places, the one nice thing about it is that you don't have to worry about, you know, electricity because those things all are wired. And since they're part of a bigger building, you know, the, the power is going to be maintained by somebody else. You know, one of the problems I see in a lot of bases is, is that, uh, they have they have all these systems inside them that you have to support yourself, and that means you have to know how to do plumbing and electrical and all these other things because you know you, nobody else is going to do it because it's a secret base. Nobody's supposed to know what we have here. So that's the thing I always wondered about, like the Bat Cave, and it's like, wait a minute, okay, it is just Bruce and Alfred, so that means these two built the computer, did all this stuff, you know, and you're like, wait a minute. They don't show you all the contractors they came in and and eliminated afterwards. That's a pretty gruesome (laughs) thought there, Jonathan. Yeah. Way to kill the childhood there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you think about that and you're like, okay, we know that both Alfred and Batman are quite talented, but still, just some of that stuff you are going to need help with. Two guys can't lift, you know, all the components to that bat computer to hook it up there and, you know, hook it into the power grid. You're going to need help. Now, I mean, they explained it a little bit with um, the Nolan movies, uh, Lucius Fox, Morgan Freeman's character. Yes. But still, just like, even then, you're like, wait a minute, how'd they get the the, the big penny in there? You know, the dinosaur, you know. Well, I mean, okay, you know, I mean, uh, when I looked at it in the car- in the comic books back in the day, okay, basically the back cave was just that. It was a cave. Yes, he had a computer down there and he had power running through the, he drilled a hole through the floor up into the, uh, in Wayne Manor and took the power down there and he, you know, he did that. He probably had a winch, you know, and, and maybe even had a, a manually operated elevator, you know, because in the Nolan movie, they talked about how they needed to work on the foundation over in the, on the, the, the northwest part of the, yeah, of the thing. Yeah. 
and he and he alluded to maybe we should put an elevator in, you know, <laughs> to get stuff in and out a little easier. Uh, but uh, the rest of it, uh, you know, but see, the rest of the cave was just that. It was still a cave. I mean, he probably had to build like, you know, uh, things to divert water away from, you know, the, the drippiness coming from the cave top, you know. So he only had a, you know, it, he, he didn't live down there in the cave. That was where he did his sleuthing. That's where he kept his files. That's where he did his chemistry work and things like that and had the back computer. But yeah. And, and 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 you know looked at uh, audio feeds and radio and stuff, but you know that that's where he had his secret light. But it was it was not done up like some you know superhero lair like you see in so many movies where it's you know uh, I don't I don't know if you remember the uh, uh, Matt um, oh I can't think of his last name now Dean Martin played the character Matt Helm. The Matt Helm films and 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 his layers were amazing. They were had like giant uh, Olympic sized pools of bubbles for he and his secretary to frolic in. And and when they got out of the water, they had these spinning uh, uh, these these spinning drying pads like they would use to like soap up the sides of your car in a car wash. Just pure techno joy. Yeah, just just amazing stuff, you know and. Uh, you know that sort of thing. You know the the super layer. You know and and uh, th- that that made sense in like uh, a movie like uh, oh uh, Charlie and the Char- and the Chocolate Factory because he had this whole indigenous race of slaves to his work yeah. for him who never saw the light of day. Apparently they were happy enough living inside that cavernous factory he had. You know and and maybe they could be maybe you know uh the, the he batman could come across a tribe of mole men who would be happy as clams living in his big bat cave and keeping his stuff dusted for him i don't know <laughs> those those are you know in a fantasy world you could do that a lot i mean there's there's like you know lots of races like goblins and things like that they don't want to go outside they you know they get they take damage you know, it's like debilitating for them to go outside. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like outside. It's painful. <laughs> yeah. Let me stay in here and you, we get we get fresh beer every day. Yay! That sounds like <laughs> me now. See? <laughs> Jonathan, I always knew you. You were, you were, you know, it, it, it was easy easy to please you as a player. <laughs> Inside? No sunlight? So, I'm not say anything because i've got sprite and bacardi rum that i had earlier this evening so i'm not right. gonna sit there and badmouth jonathan's comment at all i'm not badmouthing it i'm just saying is that you know it's uh it's amazing how, how gamers you know all we really need is is you know, a steady supply of mountain dew cheetos and it's just what we want our creature comforts and we're hobbits uh, hobbits are much more creature comforty than I ever was. I mean, when I heard about eleven Z's and second breakfast and all this stuff, I'm like, who has time to cook all this food? We got a dungeon to explore, you know. I, 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 sometimes I felt like I was those adventurers eating the trail rations, you know. Well, no, it's funny you mentioned the iron rations and the trail rations because I remember how they described like the rations for a Civil War soldier. Uh-huh. And they had, what was it? Dried fruit, salt pork, hardtack, which was basically like a very hard bread that in order to even eat it, you had to, you know, soak it in water. Or if you managed to mix the salt pork with some water, you can make, you know, sop it up with the gravy or whatever. 
and yeah, it was just very, yeah, it, 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 like, like what you said, you could survive on it. It yeah. wasn't pleasant to eat. No, no, not at all. And, because remember, uh, that's how they had to preserve all the meat back then, you know, especially out in the field during the Civil War. You didn't have like a mini fridge or anything. They didn't have MREs. You had the dried fruit, the salted meat, water, and the hardtack, and that was your meal. Right. You were lucky you got to sit around a campfire. You're lucky you got fed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and again, that's why they loved alcohol, because alcohol also keeps. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh -huh. So, and it, uh, it, 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 and you, you go hiking you know, for like 20, 30 miles, you, you get sore. You know, we used to, we used to make jokes about it saying who, at Boy Scouts, who's up for some vitamin I, you know, and we're like, the first time I heard, I was like, what's vitamin I? And then he showed me it was a bottle of ibuprofen, you know? Uh -huh. So yes, uh, a little bit of alcohol would probably take the edge off of those aching feet as well. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. I, 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 folks, I can attest to this. Trust me, working in a, Daily, medium, physical labor job. Yes, alcohol does wonders for that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So again, uh, back to back to the base. Uh, so we we said you know need a good place to sleep. We need uh, crafting areas. We need to have uh, a good decent a, a decent kitchen that can make food that's not only nourishing but inspiring, restorative. Okay, and of course there's the med bay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, in the bolt hole, you might only have, you know, like a big box of gauze and some uh, some glue, some surgical glue and some surgical staples and, you know, uh, a sewing kit, something like that, you know. Uh, but in a real base, uh, I would, you know, depend again, it depends upon the genre. It depends upon what you have available to you. But I definitely think you'd want an ultrasound. Uh, because you can tell a lot of stuff with an ultrasound you can't tell with an x-ray machine. Uh, x-ray machines are actually gotten so small now. I mean, they're in every dentist's office, and they just use like this very small device to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would well, not it's specifically be... made for getting, you know, it just it goes around the whole head. You sit still, and it just, you know, clicks from right to left around your head, so you get the full 360 dental picture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and they have even smaller ones that they just aim at a part of your jaw to go and take a picture of a three or four teeth. And if you knew that you had a sore spot in your arm, they could do that pretty easily to see if there was a, a green stick fracture or something like that. Uh, see if you might have ruptured a, a blood vessel and were getting some swelling there. But that yeah, that that's where I think that the ultrasound would be even better. But that does take special training to to correctly interpret an ultrasound. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know it's. I mean, it amazes me when they finally get the get the baby in focus when they're doing the uh, sonograms, you know. But uh, that for sure, uh, of course, um, I think you need um, some kind of a uh, uh, an analysis, a blood analysis kit to see whether you've got poison in you, to see what your blood, you know, uh, your iron content, your uh, hemo, uh, your hemoglobin content, your uh, uh, Sugar, see if you become diabetic, yeah, or or under, you know, the reverse hypoglycemic, yeah, yeah. I mean, these are all very common things that happen to people who are in stress, and a lot of times you don't realize it until you know you collapse. Um, blood, you know, all the stuff to do like blood pressure, you know, all the all the standard stuff. But um, the uh, and of course you're gonna want to make sure that uh, 
those uh, examination tables are uh, well provided with restraints because you may be providing uh, first aid to somebody who doesn't want it, first of all. Or secondly, uh, you know, I mean, you know, you might, if you're playing Bureau 13, you know, you get bit by that furry dog. Yeah. It might turn out that you're going to be doing some hair growing really fast because there's a big full moon out. So having some some kind of a full restraint system uh, attached to your uh, uh, examination table is not necessarily a bad idea. So, uh, but, uh, and of course, it'd be nice to be able to, you know, sit it up, sit it down, have all the, you know, the articulation going on it too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, because uh, especially for anybody who's working on you, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, sewing up wounds is a lot easier when you can, uh, again, it's all, especially as you may not have anesthetic, you know, <laughs> uh, you, it might, might be, you might need to hold, strap that arm down while you sew up that big gash. Because you can't trust yourself to keep it immobilized. Oh, no. I, I, I'm amazed when people actually just sit there and let people sew up their bodies. I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> I, I think I would be jumping up going, ah, <laughs> every time the, the needle went in, you know, they'd be like, you know, we're going to have to tie you down. So, uh, uh, and you're going to, and as it's a real base, you're going to need a lot of supplies. Um, mm. I, I'm, I, I have a lot of supplies in my house, but it's nowhere near what you'd need. You'd need, you need some, um, uh, some Ringer's lactate, which is, uh, water that's the same. Basically, it's like plasma. It's water with the same level of, uh, salt as in your bloodstream, but also mixed in with glucose, which oh, will, okay. you know, it helps maintain you. It keeps you from going into shock. Uh, because, you know, usually shock is caused by, um, well, when you go into shock, what happens is, is that the blood vessels in your body, uh, relax and there aren't, there isn't enough blood to fill all the blood vessels in your body at the same time, which may be a surprise to some people. Okay. And so that's one reason you go into shock. So that's why when some people will say things like, well, take your legs and put them up over your head because that way the blood flow is the, the blood may flow out of your legs. Well, so it can't go into those, all those capillaries or whatever when you go into shock. And secondly, it's concentrating the blood flow down where it's really needed, which is your brain, your heart, your lungs, those kind of places. Or, yeah. Right. But, but sometimes people will do things like even put on like, you know, um, uh, put on tourniquets, at least lightly onto like, uh, limbs and things to try to reduce the amount of blood flow into those areas. So that they can concentrate it in other areas when you suffer some grievous injuries. So that's that's not at all uncommon to do that either. Um, and of course, uh, as I found out when they did surgery on my hand, uh, one of the ways that they do that is they put a cuff around, like I had it on my hand, so they put a cuff around my arm to cut the blood flow to my arm. And the reason they did that was because they were going to shoot this really strong uh, and. Uh, and uh, an- anesthetic anesthetic yeah I, I said i couldn't say that an anesthetic uh into that area so i wouldn't feel any pain while they were surgically operating on my hand because i didn't want to go unconscious because i i didn't i wanted to be able to drive home uh and um the uh this was before uber by the way because i definitely would have taken an uber otherwise yeah. <laughs> um and and so and the reason they did that was because this stuff is really strong 
and they wanted it to stay where they were putting it. Okay, but and and the reason they uh, they wanted to was because when it comes out, if they don't let it out really slowly, it stops your heart. Oh, wow. So they're like, oh, this is really strong stuff. So we're going to have to let it out really slowly out of your arm, you know, release the cuff very slowly. So you get a little bit of blood in and it slowly flows out, but not too much, not too fast. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying is that a lot of times you do this as a method of, 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 uh, you know, putting the strapping somebody down, putting on a cuff, things like that in order to help better, you know, manage the pain in an area. Because if somebody's like sewing up your arm or they're, they're, uh, you know, uh, God help you, uh, setting major bones that have been broken. Okay. You know, you want, uh, you want as strong a drugs as you can possibly get your hands on. And sometimes if they give them to you, there's a real danger to the rest of you, you know, not, not surviving that. Yeah. So cuffs are real important. You know, having lots of illegal drugs of, the, of of an appropriate kind. Illegal in the sense that they were not prescribed by a doctor, but they're still used by doctors. So, you know... Um, basically, uh, unless you have a medical connection, you need to basically go to hospitals every op- every so often and steal them. Or you're buying them from, from drug dealers. Well, yeah. See, then if, you're going into you can, that. If you can find a reputable one that sells you the good stuff, not the stuff that's been stepped on five times. Oh, what was it? There's it's it's not a feat, it's a trait. Again, Pathfinder. Um and basically it's you have to have like the medical background where you could go to hospitals and basically lie and say, Yeah, I need this much of this, this, and this. And it, it it's an in-game thing where you could get those type of drugs and anesthetic and blood if need be to stock your base. Yeah. Personally, what I would do is I would open up a, uh, uh, if I had a choice, I, I would open up a, uh, um, a, a, a clinic for animals. Oh, yeah. Because they, because most, most of their drugs are pretty un, uh, are not as, as closely monitored. And, and horse tranquilizers, if you, if you cut them down to the right size, work yeah, just fine. Uh, no. If you're using ketamine, yeah, you get, for a human, you'd have to cut that down severely. Oh yeah, minded of the scene in Armageddon, <laughs> where where the the miners are there and they they got the toxicology report. These guys, their toxicology is all a report. That big guy's got ketamine in him. That's a horse tranquilizer. And the guy Max is just like, yeah, I'm I've got ketamine in me. Yeah, what's your point? Yeah, <laughs> but no ketamine. Yeah, you need to really cut back on that if you're using that on a human because that will right. end things quickly. But it's it's a lot easier to get your hands on these kinds of things, and it's a lot easier to pose as you know, uh, you know, as a veterinarian than as an MD. Yeah, you know, you're you're getting your drugs from an entirely different source. I mean, well, it may ultimately come from the same medical warehouse, but I'm just saying is is that you know, I think that the amount of uh, of forgeries and 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 paperwork you have to go through and possibly bribes uh, would be a lot easier for setting up a clinic like that than to try to set up an actual medical clinic. Yeah. Right. Now, if you got the chops, if you got it set up, you know, you got the pole to do that. Then definitely go with the best drugs you can get your hands on because I mean you're going to need them because if you're playing a role playing game, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be times when you need stuff. You know, you might need, and it, they're also usually pretty good sources for, uh, um, for like chemical 
uh, supply houses. Now, of course, if you're really, you know, uh, on top of your game, then you make your own. Well, yeah, if you've got the level of base like, you know, the Baxter building, you know, where Reed Richards is, you know, a polymath scientist, yeah, he could probably make his own medicinal pharmaceutical drugs easily. I'm sure he does. I, I was thinking more along the lines of Breaking Bad, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Hey, just one thing, respect the chemistry. Yes, exactly. I'm just saying, you you don't you know, you know don't take them yourselves. As the saying goes, we don't make these to take them ourselves. Yeah, you, never these. Try, yeah, you never try from your own supply, yeah. Right, yeah. But, I mean, you know the quality of it if you make it yourself, you know, assuming you're competent. And that's, and that's important if you're going to be playing on surviving a long time because, you know, people who, uh, you know, one of the biggest problems we have, you know, with herbs, you know, and I am not bad-mouthing natural med you know, medicines and, and, and things like that, but the fact is is that there are no really good methodologies for determining potency and concentration. You, of have the to be, you have to be a trained herbalist in order to know that. Oh, yeah. you mean there's like no regulatory type? Well, yeah, a lot of all the herbal supplements that you got, and, and folks, again, I take herbal supplements being an insomniac of almost 15 years. You'll read on any herbal supplement. This has not been approved by the Food and Drug Administration. Right, and that's because it's possible that you you could be taking twice what you need or half what you need. Yeah, because of the because of the purity of the uh, uh, of the source, or depend upon how the previous growing season was. Did it get enough rain? Did it not get enough rain? You know, did you know uh, enough sunshine? Did it get fertilized right? You know, all these factors go into the potency of chemicals. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there are not echinacea farms out there in the Great Plains where they grow this for, you know, oh, this natural herbal supplement. Yeah, we've got uh, 500 acres of echinacea growing. No, they don't, folks. No, yeah, it's all for corn. <laughs> no, no, no. Jonathan's right. No, that is the highest, uh, highest subsidized crop we have in this yeah. country. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, uh, uh, being out in, uh, on the outskirts of town does allow you to have your own corn patch. So you know where you can grow whatever you want to inside. Hey, so, food, sweetener, fuel. Come on, you know the only the only vegetable that's more versatile is a potato. Come on, I hear that. Yeah, you get booze out of it. Come on, I hear that too. <laughs> so Not a drinker, okay? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean. Just remember, I, I drank I drank more in Russia than I ever drank in my entire life. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, the uh, so yeah, so it, you know, having to base more on the outskirts. I mean, uh, rather than right in downtown, gives you some of these options. Otherwise, you're going to have to have yourself a green room. You know, um, where you're basically growing things under lamps and such. If you want to have that kind of control, now, yeah, if you're if you're in a very urban setting and you've got good contacts and you've taken the feats to to let you, you know, have the super street wise, you might be able to just go and buy your stuff, you know, just off the street and and um, and everybody's fine with it. You know, you're not you're not you're not posing as a cop. And and if you are some kind of a superhero, they might be wanting to support you in that regard. Where they're like, okay, you know, he's, you know, we'll we'll, we'll make sure that he gets the stuff he needs. You know, because he's getting banged up. You know, or she's getting banged up on our behalf. You know, so maybe, yeah, she's maybe protecting our neighborhood. So we'll yeah. hook her up. Yeah. 
Right. Maybe grandmothers with arthritis are showing up and donating a few of their oxytocins, you know, uh, to you, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on your relationship to the community. Most of the time when we think about bases, you know, um, in, in games like Fringeworthy or, or Bureau 13, we don't really think about how we're interacting with the people around us. I have always maintained, and you can remember this, Trav, that you should always be the best possible friends to the people in your neighborhood. That oh, you yeah. Su- that you should, that if you support them, they will watch out for you. They'll watch, anybody come snooping around your base, they'll tell you later on when you come back, or they'll give you a call if they have that uh, capacity, you know. Um, They, uh, you know, they'll invite you over for Christmas dinner. They'll, uh, I mean, being, you know, being explored to another world or even being a Bureau 13 agent or any of these other types of things, being, you know, shoot, uh, the Punisher, it's a lonely, lonely job. Uh, and you're all, you always never feel totally at home. Uh, so anything you can do to build up that relationship with the people around you is going to be good. And you never know when you might need a posse. Yeah. Mob on demand is useful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you can basically, uh, I mean, cause that's essentially what hap, uh, what happens in the first version of Shaft. He basically goes and talks to a bunch of the local gangs and says, these people are trying to do some bad things for, you know, and, uh, he says, are you, are you going to stand up and protect your community or aren't you? And they're all like, it's a really good example of how one person can basically mobilize his community, uh, when before he was just this lone gun through most of it. So, uh, and as a, as a, as an agent, you're always going to find that you can always use a little bit more help. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to us. We hope that you got some ideas on how to make your base, how to stock it, how to protect it, and possibly where to put it. And we know that this is all going to change depending upon the genre you play and how much your resources are, and you know whether you're doing this, uh, you know whether you're, you're you're doing this as friends or enemies to wherever place that you're going to be. But we hope that these ideas that we presented is, are going to galvanize you to maybe make a something a special place for you and your players to hang out in that'll be really your own and have all those little nooks and crannies filled with all the things that make your heart feel warmer when you're playing your games. So until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license, No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.